Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen, TGIF. Welcome to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks for being with us today. It's the first Friday of June. Can you believe this year is almost halfway over? Um, Just a a reminder, everyone, um, that maybe, um, you know, traveling this weekend and maybe going, I guess, near the coast and stuff. It's not supposed to hit our shores, but there is a tropical something or other in the Gulf, um, and uh, it's supposed to stay out in the Gulf, but you never know. These things are unpredictable, so just keep a watch on it. But today, especially today, we're going to talk a little economic news, and we're here with Paul V. Shelton of Warwick Shore Advisors. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, Gretchen. I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well, thank you. And uh, I guess I'm relieved about the latest economic news, so to speak. So a couple of things, I guess. So I, I, let's. I'm going to let you pick which one we talk about. Do we talk about the jobs first, or do we talk about the uh, debt ceiling first? Yeah. Well, I, you know, let's go ahead and knock out the jobs report. That is the most recent, even though they're both are very current. Jobs report was released. Um, 30 minutes ago, and it showed that we had an increase uh, of 339,000 jobs added to the economy. Um, and these are positions added to the economy in the month of May, which, you know, far outpaced analyst expectations of 190,000. And, right. Um, I thought I heard something earlier this morning about 188,000, and um, some were just kind of hoping that it would not go higher than that. Correct. Um, and maybe you yeah, can explain yeah. why that's a bad thing that it did. I'm like, yeah, yeah there's yeah. jobs. There, there is a, you know, some contradicting uh, beliefs there and, and some result places, you know, from all of this. With the jobs increasing um, by this amount and, and more than anticipated, what that really says is that there's a potential for more citizens of this country to be out there spending money, generating more inflation in the economy, in the economy and driving up prices. Um, there is one thing to note about this number. We, we did see the overall um, unemployment rate slightly rise, or I shouldn't say slightly, rose by 30 basis points from 3.4% to 3.7%. Now that's just, you know, some mathematics that take place with that. Um, you know, typically the unemployment rate rises. Um, it could be for a number of reasons. It could be for because some people have left the workforce because they're retiring. Um, it could be, you know, because, you know, people are discouraged and just decided not to look for jobs anymore and they stop filing for unemployment insurance. So there's still some, some things to be known about that. But historically, typically when you see the unemployment rate rise by at least 50 basis points over, you know, the course of several months. That is another slight indication that we possibly could be heading towards a recession. And with this rise in 30 basis points over the course of one month, on top of having um, a grander amount of unemployment, this really puts the Federal Reserve in, in a pickle, you know, to really decide what to do. Should they continue to try to fight you know, inflation by raising interest rates even higher. Um, are we at a point where, you know, we're seeing the unemployment rate start to slightly rise, even though we're adding new jobs over the last few months? 
Are we at a point where interest rates are where they need to be and we should not rise anymore because we may get to that tipping point of going too far, too fast, and then slow down the economy too much if it's already starting to slow down in some aspects? So um, that's, that's kind of why most analysts were, were hoping to see the number come in south of 200,000. Um, but, you know, having the jobs in the economy on the surface is, is always a good thing. We just have to mitigate and, and make sure that we're, we're aware of the, the inflation risk that could arise from it. Now, I want to find out what type of jobs. I think that's kind of what we need to look at. And I, another question that I have is when they count these jobs, do they also count part-time jobs in these numbers? They do. They do. So so part-time jobs are, are accounted for in, in these numbers. And, and whenever someone files um, for unemployment insurance, they are unable, you know, to, to file for that if they have, you know, that part-time employment. So those part-time really? jobs are, yeah, those are considered um, part of it part of your, you know, uh, part of this unemployment rate and part of the, the, the employment situation summary, which comes out every every month. Um, so th- that is a big part of it. And, and the, the first part of that was, you know, our job gains occurred in, in the professional and business services, government, healthcare, construction, transportation, and warehousing, and social assistance. Um, I did not say hospitality this month for the first time. Yeah, no, time, that's usually on your list. Yeah, for the first time, hospitality is what, you know, for the longest since, you know, really we started to see somewhat of a recovery during um, the pandemic. Uh, hospitality has led its way. You know, it was the industry that was bruised um, to the severest degree because a lot of mm-hmm. restaurants, hotels, and things had to shut down, um, but they have ward back, um, and this is the first month that we see that hospitality is not leading the way. So this is showing us, you know, from a, I guess from more of a qualitative standpoint when you look at the data, it's showing us that the job gains are now starting to be normalized and spread out across all industries and not just focused on one certain industry to drive the economy, which for you know, the the global economy and for, our, you know, for the U.S., you know, that's good. You want to have broad jobs gains across all industries. That's good for everyone. Um, for our local area, that's so heavily related on hospitality, you know, it's not the best thing, but it does say that we have grown a lot from where we are. And, you know, we predicate a, a lot of our, you know, local income on the healthcare industry as well, and, and that is Mm-hmm. you know, on the list as one of the leaders, too. So we're still benefiting in the local area, but I think as a country as a whole, um, this job report and, and where we are moving economically is, is in a positive area so where we can see gains across several industries. Okay, so what was the number one growth area in terms of jobs? Professional and business services. So that that's a that's a wide swath of things. That's a lot of, you know, um, attorneys, doctors' offices, um, consultants. You know, independent consultants and things uh, of that nature. Um, and they can be consultants for um, different industries. They can be consultants for the transportation industry, airline industry, or consultant for legal and medical. And so. Um, that's where we saw a, a lot of that. And, and oftentimes when you see that, that's a sign of entrepreneurship. And whenever you have, you know, a significant amount of entrepreneurship in the economy, that gives the sentiment that many residents are not fearful of a recession. Oftentimes when we do go into a recession, and it, it is driven by um, economic forces and, and a lot of maneuvers of the Federal Reserve, but many times we go into recession based off of sentiment. Um, consumer sentiment is something that is followed very, very, you know, highly and strongly by many analysts. Because when we all believe that we're going to go into a recession, we stop spending. When we all believe that we're not going into a recession, we spend more, and that generates more economic activity. 
One of the reasons I was asking is that, um, you know, we just got a new crop of, of graduates, high school and college. And for those that have graduated college, you know, they're they're looking for jobs and wanted to see kind of uh, where they, you know, they, they should have. It's, most of them have probably planned where they're going. Most of them probably, we hope probably have an idea of what's coming next. But, you know, the market in terms of jobs and in terms of just the economy in general has been kind of volatile. And so, you know, whatever they may have planned when they started out in college four years ago may not be what's readily available for, for them. And and so just trying to, you know, open up some eyes in terms of what's available out there and how, the, you know, and have them maybe look at possibly making a transition um, and uh, I, what I hope to do is have maybe a career consultant to come on and talk about how to best make that transition. But for high schoolers, this may be the time. I mean, the, you know, if they're going into if they're going into college, um, this may be the time to start planning. You know, the first couple of years usually in college are, um, you know, your basic courses. You know, the courses that you get your your AA degree or whatever in. But after that. Um, you know, hopefully during this time you may have maybe found uh, a part-time job or an internship in an industry that, uh, you know, has some growth in it. So, you know, that's why one of the reasons I was asking what's out there. But like like you said, just because it's here today, you know, hospitality used to be it, you know, for a while. Just because it's here today doesn't mean it's going to be there next. So, you know, I always say, if you're going into to college, you know, or even in high school and you can find like a part-time job somewhere, you know, maybe consider a couple of fields that you'd like to uh, pursue down the road. So if one's not it, maybe the other one will be. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, that's something that's very, very present. And I think that would be a great, great show and and great insight to have um, because oftentimes, you know, when we start off, you know, our college careers, um, we may not know exactly what we want to do, but we may figure it out somewhere along the way. And sometimes um, that's, you know, near your junior year or sometimes someone may know, you know, when they're in high school exactly, you know, the industry they want to work in. And and oftentimes due to um, seismic shifts like we've seen recently because of the pandemic, um, some industries Mm -hmm. look a lot different than they did, you know, in 2019, a short four years ago. So that's that's very, very present. Well, one thing, too, uh, you get kind of singularly focused and people, you know, kind of hone in on you and ask you, so what do you want to do? What are you going to school for? And stuff like that. You know, and I remember some of this down the road. And I got kind of singularly focused um, when I went to school, and I wish now I had maybe – got explored a second field, you know, but sometimes after you've gone to college for a while, you're so uh, honed in on just trying to get out that you don't really consider all of the possibilities. Um, You know, I think, I mean, for example, you know, I was into communications. I was into uh, broadcasting and everything. But then, yeah, what do you do next? But then we had people that were coming into the broadcasting field that had expertise in health, that had expertise in science and had expertise in other fields. So when a particular story would come up, they had connections and they had a certain expertise that they could report on. And and you see that a lot too on your national uh, news, people that don't even necessarily have communications careers, but they have medical experience and financial experience like yourself and, and get called upon like yourself (laughs) <laughs> to do, you know, to do, uh, you know, commentary or reporting on other fields that they have expertise on. So, you know, just knowing what's out there is, is kind of helpful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah. So now I wanted to also talk about did the report, you, you mentioned several things. Does their report focus in on any uh, jobs that don't necessarily require a four-year degree. And the reason I ask that is because, you know, we've got people racking up incredible and incredulous amounts of debt going to college and have an unsure, unsure future. But there may be 
prospects and, and you know and possibilities in other areas that don't necessarily require that four year degree but require maybe less time in school and maybe have uh, more immediate opportunities yeah very very good question um so this report you know produced by the the, the bureau of labor statistics does not drill down um what they try to do and, and what the government always says they try to do is, is stay away from advice so they uh-huh. do not provide uh, anything that would kind of lead or steer or kind of shift towards one industry or the other um, because the government, they love every industry. They love all their children. They don't want to pick one as the favorite. <laughs> but there are some other um, – I, I have seen other publications or in other articles and actually advertisements um, from, from different schools, you know, that say, you know, a four-year degree not needed for, you know, mm-hmm. this particular um, job path, such as, you know, IT, IT security. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something out there that, you know, a, a, a degree in it is it's highly respected. Um, but you can enter the field, you know, by garnering a, a 12-week certificate um, and, and be able to, to enter the field and place that job and then work towards the degree. Now, yeah. you know, you can get a, a, a master's in, in IT security and network security and, and continue on. And as you continue your education, of course, um, the sky is the limit. You know, it broadens the, your horizon and your opportunities in that respect. But there are, you know, several industries that you can get into um, that have solid careers and, and salaries that will not require an, an, an initial degree in that field up front. In addition to that, you know, you always have the, the sales jobs that are out there um, in, in different areas, in different industries, such as real estate, um, that do not require, uh, you know, a, a professional degree or, or a degree from that, just a licensing to be able to operate in that manner and have a very, very successful career, you know, in that. You know, my daughter, my eight-year-old, she desires to be a, a, a real estate agent one day. So she just loves really? all things real estate. Yeah. And oh, Lord, let me it. talk to her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she sees it from a, a, a standpoint of, um, you know, she loves watching YouTube. So she finds all these YouTube videos of different realtors in different cities that are, you know, showcasing all these mega mansions and, in her eyes, you know, that's just what it is. Every ah. realtor has these mega mansions that they're they're showcasing, and um, realistically, we know that's not the case. But that's mm-hmm. what she sees, and she has a desire in her heart. That's what I want to do. I want to sell multi-million dollar condos in Miami, and she's very specific about that. And oh, it's wow. very possible that she could do that. Um, you know, if she gets in and learns the the industry and and focuses on that, you know, the, the sky is the limit. So there are a lot of a lot of potential pathways out there that do not require that. Um, as far as the, the BLS providing that insight, no, they don't provide it. But if you kind of read in between the lines and look at, you know, like for this month, professional and business services, real estate, mortgage brokers, that qualifies under professional and business services. There could be a lot of entrepreneurs in that category or a lot of individuals that are moving to that category right now, and it doesn't necessarily require you to have um, that four-year college degree to obtain that, that job. We are going to take a quick break. We are here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore, and, you know, I did tell you yesterday that uh, this show wasn't live today, so, you know, I'm going to check and see if you sent in your questions, uh, but if you didn't, I'm still going to ask my own. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to have more information on, on the jobs report, and we're going to talk a little bit about the debt issues. So uh, this is G's Power Hour on Never Had a So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. 
This is Douglas Dobbs of Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community for 29 years with quality funeral and cremation services. Honoring all religions and faiths, we have been here for many grieving families. Whether it's a complete funeral service with a burial or a simple dignified cremation, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here for you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs, dedicated to serving our families. Good morning. Welcome back to G's Power Hour. I never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks for being with us on this beautiful Friday. I'm so glad. Anyway, here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shore Advisors. And, um, if you, well, like I said, if you have questions, you can still um, hit me up on the G's Power Hour Facebook page and uh, give me your questions. I will forward them to you, but you won't be able to get the answers today. Um, at least not uh, on the show because we are recording today, but we can always, um, if necessary, post it, post the answer on um, the the page, the page for you. So, all right, debt ceiling. Uh, <laughs> talk about this, please, because I have yeah, I have so, a variety of questions. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I'm sure they're they're all great questions that many of us, many Americans have, you know, regarding the fiscal responsibility um, that takes place or that comes out of Washington, you know, far too often on a, on a regular basis. And, and so on, on Wednesday, the bill, which is called the Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023, was passed by the House um, with a 314 and 117 vote. And last night it moved over to the chamber for the Senate and was passed um, by a similar, you know, margin, a 53 to 36 margin. Um, so about a two-thirds vote in, in favor of that. Now it's going to um, um, to the to the desk of the president, you know, for his final seal of approval, which we expect to take place. And this all comes in um, a day after the initial uh, remarks where that ceiling we were we were breached that cliff on June 1st. Um, and Janet Yellen last week pushed it out to June 5th, potentially understanding that um, we know that it may not have been done, but it will be done, you know, in, in some form or manner before maybe the 5th. So it's, a, it's still a, a lot of um, political mandarin that is going on back and forth on it. But I think the one positive thing, if I would say about this, um, we're – we're not going to default on our obligations, which, you know, we just know we're, we're not going to do that. So we have to raise the debt ceiling even more, which leads to us have being in further debt, which leads to us potentially having increased taxes um, 20, 30 years from now or even more increased inflation that will be even higher than, than that in, in the future. So it, it leads to a, a lot of long-term ramifications down the road. But the one, I guess, a little sliver of light that are an additional sliver of light that we can see out of this is that this was really done in a bipartisan manner. There was not really one, you know, side of the aisle that just bent over backwards and, and just agreed to everything. Um, there was some, some give and take that took place, although, you know, the, the biggest task of, of attacking the, the debt, national debt, wasn't really honed in on too much, um, but there was some wins, I can say, on both sides. And, and you know, someone that, that follows um, politics as it relates to economics, it's positive for me to see our country getting back to a place where um, we can agree with each other and not hate each other. Um, I, I think a lot of that, and just in my opinion, you know, was skewed into um, politics and spewed into our country and revived a lot of negative thoughts um, that were simmering and that were present in our country all along um, in the last, you know, presidential regime. And hopefully, you know, this could be a first step of actually shaking hands and coming together. I'm not saying that, you know, Democrats and Republicans and independents have to agree on everything, but have a level of respect when it comes to serving their citizens in, in their communities. So I would say that's the, the one positive, but I, I know you have some more questions, you know, potentially about, you know, the details of that 
Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023? Well, I kind of sort of do, but um, <laughs> the whole thing kind of annoys me and disturbs me in, in like, um, one of the things that I did, because I just, I really, because you, like you said, we've been so divisive on so many things. I kind of did. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a very, very small uh, account through my part-time job with Charles Schwab. I basically just, <laughs> anything that I was speculating on or anything I wasn't speculating on, I just sold it off and put it into the cash account. Because between what was going on with the banks and what was going on with this, I was like, I want to not worry about it the last minute. Can I have access to my money? I want to put it in the most accessible uh, vehicle or conduit that I can find so I could get my money if I need it, you know. Yeah. So that's that's what I did. Now, that probably wasn't necessarily very smart, or, but, you know, I'm also – uh, in my 60s, so, so you know, yeah. I, I my thing is, you know, I don't necessarily. And like I said, it was a, it's a very small account because it was money that I felt that I can kind of speculate with. But that being said, it's like okay, you all are just messing around too much with money out there, and I just want to have mine ready to ready to grab and go because <laughs> life right. is short. So. What what I guess did I what what should I have done at that point in terms of moving money around if I'm uncertain because what would have happened if we didn't reach an agreement? Yeah, so if we didn't reach no. an agreement, it's very possible that um you know we would have went over the 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 debt cliff and if we would have ran out of money and, and Congress didn't agree. For allow us to spend anymore and agree to allow the government to spend anymore, um, then you'll have a situation where um, many of our, you know, U.S. military personnel won't get that paycheck on Friday. Um, a right. lot of the, you know, government, government programs that are in place, um, some of the subsistence Social Security. In, yeah, Social Security, you know, things like that that are, are you know, we need and many people need um, just to have a, a standard quality of living um, that would have dried up and that would have caused a cataclysmic um, effect on our economy, you know, because they wouldn't have been able to go out and, and spend to buy groceries, to buy gas, to pay their rent, pay their mortgage, things of that nature. And you know, when you get into a mass level like that where people, you know, are, are struggling in, in that sense that, you know, widens the West wealth gap, um, it leads to more crime, you know, things like that that we don't want to talk about. But, you know, crime will persist because people have a nature and they need to eat, they need to live and in order to do so. Um, if you don't have the money, sometimes you have to take it. So those are the realistic things, you know, that the – the Treasury and the Federal Reserve look at and they think about. And that's why Janet Yellen said, this needs to be done by this date and time. Now, I understand she said by June 1st. I truly mm -hmm. believe um, that was, you know, a one of those things where you, you know, under-promise, over-deliver. Um, right. I, I believe that there's some more time in there, and there's always possibly some other caveats are things that we can do behind the scenes, um, you know, when it comes to foreign currency relations between the U.K., other countries, Canada, and potentially having to do something with China behind the scenes to help backstop us. But you never want to do that. <laughs> you, yeah, you never want that to have to happen, even though things of that nature have happened before with other countries. Um, as the United States, we've always been that pillar of um, excellence, especially when it comes to the financial markets and sophistication of our markets. So we never want to get into that slippery slope of, of having our credit rating um, downshifted or downgraded at any given point in time. And so I, I'm, I'm glad that we did not have to go through that and, and that we did not have to see um, anything of that nature, you know, transpire or take place. The hopes are is that we will get to a point where we can have a balanced budget in the future, you know, hopefully in the, in the near-term future, meaning um, 
within this presidential campaign, within this presidential regime, I should say, are, are the next, so that we can have a plan going forward. You know, I, I speak with my clients, you know, individually in, on a household level, and then when I work with businesses on the corporate level, about having strategic planning for a business and having a financial plan for a family. You know, having mm-hmm. a, a family mission statement, having a business mission statement, and and really sticking to that and being able to allow that to drive your finances so you can move forward in a healthy manner. Um, that's just something our, our government hasn't done in several years, in almost two decades. Yeah. Yeah, so, and you know, I, I want to talk to you about that in just a minute. But we're going to take our next break because, yeah, I, I got questions. <laughs> so <okay. laughs> we, Paul's going to answer our questions when we come back. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. We will be right back. Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us this beautiful Friday afternoon here with Paul Z. Shelton of Warwick Shores Advisors. And if you have questions or comments, you can ask them on the G's Power Hour Facebook page, and I will forward them. But we are not live now. You know, it's Friday. Sometimes we want to just get an early start on our weekend. But anyway, Paul, our government seems to be a do as I say, not as I do <laughs> type of entity. Uh, because we would not tolerate this from individuals. Like you say, you give certain advice to individuals. And when, for example, an individual, uh, you know, buys a house or tries to buy a house, you know, we don't say, well, we're going to just increase your uh, credit limit because, you know, you want us to do that. We tell them Correct. you have got to rectify what's going on with your credit um, before you can buy a house, you know, and if you can't do that, then you're going to have a bad credit score. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And and could you imagine if that were, were the case, if um, we went into the bank and and said, Hey, I I know I really can't afford it, but I think potentially I'll have enough money in two or three years to really continue to pay it. So I'm going to just use my savings now, and, and please just give me a loan for $500,000 in the, the bank saying, okay, great, we'll, we'll do it. And um, if you can't afford it, just, you know, give us a call in, in two years, three years from now. Maybe we can just extend you a, a line of credit um, so that you can pay back that loan. Or, you know, maybe we, you can go to a different bank and allow them to give you a line of credit, and then you can pay us back and continue to go. In that respect, and and um, no bank like, would ever heck? do that. No underwriter would ever approve that, and and no CFO would ever sign off on it. But you know that's essentially what we have taken place at the highest level, you know, of government in in this country. And I, I would even venture to say, on the state level, um, that is often not allowed at all either. So it's a very very you know discomforting thing to to realize how that is operating um, and how we have operated for nearly almost two two decades in that respect where we got off the rails. The last time we really had a balanced budget um, was during the Clinton era. Mm -hmm. We were were positive in that respect, and and we had money in the bank, essentially, and we were a, a dominant power. We were growing. Um, we had technology that was significantly improving. We had the introduction of the Internet as a result. And a lot of things that catapulted us into being that global power that, that, we, that we are, at least that we were at, at that time, 
Um, and then we went to the next presidential regime, and um, uh, there was a significant amount of spending that took place. There was a, some wars that broke out, and that caused even more spending, but there wasn't a balanced approach to it. It was just, we have the money, we're the U.S., we're going to print our own money, and we'll pay for our war. And um, it got out of hand, and, and we're now dealing with the ramifications of that, of what the inflation battles that we see now. And I said to mention the add-on a Great Recession, add-on a pandemic, um, 12 years after that Great Recession. Um, now more spending, more spending, more spending. And, and we're in a situation now where it is significantly out of control, the, the amount of spending that we have. And it's scary to see, um, you know, what the cost of milk will be 30, 40 years from now for a gallon of milk. Yeah, you know, when I'm doing my financial planning and I, I had a planned reading that I did on um, on Wednesday, you know, a planned reading. And, you know, it, it forecasts, you know, from now until 90 of, of what your expenses and costs will be for Medicare and, and all these different, you know, things that, you know, we need to, to live off of and basic living expenses and it deducts that from what your overall expected net worth to be um, at the time of retirement. So it says that from now, in forecasting out, let's just say 50 years from now, um, mm-hmm. $1.1 $1. $1 million of worth um, 50 years from now is equivalent to about $6.9 million today. So that lets you know uh, what we're forecasting, what we're thinking is going to happen with inflation. So you, you think about, you know, if, if you had $6.9 million in your account today, how you could live off of that and how you can survive. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward 50 years from now, that $6.9 million is really only the value power of $1.1 million, um, in the future, which is still good, but it doesn't give you that lifetime runway that many people can have. Many people, you know, they can retire and say, I'm retired. I have $6.9 million. I think I will not outlive that. I'll do pretty well for myself and have a lot of money to be able to give away to the next generation and to charity. Um, $1.1 million 50 years from now, there may be somewhat of a different conversation. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, here I go, the novice speculating, but I want to put it out there. Uh, even though we, you know, we averted disaster in our own way, the way we did it was not necessarily the right way to do it. And won't and we're so much more a global economy now than we were before. Um, you know, we're so much more reliant on other countries for our goods and services. Even though we did not, you know, go into disaster here, doesn't that give other countries pause to look at us and say, hmm, you know, that was not comfortable for us in terms of, uh, you know, going forward and dealing with this country because, you know, they've got issues and they're not really resolving them. They're putting as one of the phrases that I've heard that I guess I've used more often lately, lipstick on a pig. They're, you yeah. know, they're putting on the rose-colored glasses. They're just, you know, not really focused on resolving the issue. And this thing is only good until uh, the beginning of 2025 when we get new legislators in, uh, some of them, you know, and a, a new administration maybe, um, you know, depends, uh, or, you know, a continuation of the current administration. But, you know, just because things maybe stay the same or change on one level doesn't mean that they're going to uh, improve with regards to how we deal with our economy. So Correct. I want to throw this out there because you got, to me, my my discomfort is you've got a few hundred people up there uh, with a variety of agendas, mostly, and I shouldn't say this, but in in a lot of cases, very selfish agendas versus looking out for the whole country. 
Okay, so my thing is I'd like to see these, you know, like every state, like you, you legislators go back to your states and you say if you have one priority as a state and let everybody vote on it and the issue that wins out, you know, that's that's your issue that you take back to Washington. And you have up to 50 issues, you know, doubtful it will be that much because some issues are probably going to repeat themselves uh, with a vote, but you have 50 states. Oh, and then you allow for your territories as well, yes. Uh, but you, you have them come back. And you rank them in terms of, you know, uh, you know, I guess importance and stuff like that, or, you know, I don't know if you can rank them in terms of votes, but you would just say, okay, these are the 50 issues that are important to the American people. We need to figure out how to fund these 50 issues within our means. Okay. And and then you go from there. Yeah. Yeah, so a, a more collective form of government where, you know, our elected officials become representatives. Servants of the people, go figure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think that's that's how it was designed to be, um, you know, in some rep, you know, in some way or manner and over the course of time. It has been re elected representatives and that representative, you know, will leave them in office for a term and have them make the decisions on our behalf as a fiduciary, um, whichever is best or not best. And, and we shifted away from that. But that, that would be an interesting way of, of actually operating. And um, it would truly, uh, truly be a voice of the people. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I was thinking because I, I, I do think that it is important that our legislators remember why they are where they are. You know, they they relied on people to cast a vote and put them in there to represent them, you know. And that's why I also say, you know, I'm not necessarily a fan of term limits. You know, I know why they put them in there, but I think they make us lazy. I think they don't, yeah. you know, and I'm getting into something other than economics, but I don't think they allow us to hold the people in the office accountable. I think if you're doing a good job, you should be able to stay up there and do a good job. And if you're not, you don't need a second term. <laughs> you don't need more than one term. You need to be gone. Yeah. You know, and we put somebody else in there that, that can do it. But but anyway, so getting back to, to this, um, and, and I, I, like I said, I want to go back actually to one of the questions I was beginning to ask, which is regards to the um, to other countries and the way they look at us. Um, isn't there still a chance that we could get downgraded in terms of a credit rating with other countries? Um, it's, I mean, the potential is there if, if we posture that we have a lot of instability. Um, you really really only focus on, you know, the, the large larger rating agencies um, that are going to up, upgrade or downgrade you, um, not necessarily, you know, how another country feels you know, about you. Um, mm. So the, the potential is there, but the significance behind it is, is doesn't really carry the weight um, if you do, you know, fall past due and, and do, you know, miss some of those significant payments. Um, and I say, you know, if you look at it on a personal level, too, um, a, a borrower or, you know, someone that takes out a loan, um, their bank account, you know, may start getting a little low. And the bank may not know that or the bank may realize if they see your account balances, if you have an account with them, they can see mm-hmm. that your account may be getting low because there just may be a transition of unemployment or a transition in employment for a small period of time. But they can't necessarily um, ding you on your credit report if you don't actually fall past due or miss a payment. So, you know, what we've done is is we've been able to um, provide a very sticky Band-Aid 
on our financial mm-hmm. woes from a, mm-hmm. a government standpoint that, that has allowed the rating agencies to, to threaten us and say, hey, if this happens, um, this is how we're going to view you, and there's a potential downgrade that's going to take place. But, um, you know, that, that has not happened as of yet. And, and globally, the U.S. is still viewed as, the, as a strong economic power. We're still viewed as the, the financial hub for the world. Um, we're viewed as the hub for, for education and, and, and a lot of restored technology and growth. So even if we were to downgrade in some capacity, I do believe that there is still a, a significant amount of momentum of desire um, for investors around the world and citizens around the world to have some connectivity to the United States. Okay. So what what do you think we should be doing as a country or our legislators should be doing as a country in the next couple of years before this agreement expires uh, to shore us up, to make us better, to make us more, more solvent and to have less debt? I'm going to ask you to answer that when we come back from our break. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. This is Douglas Dobbs, owner and funeral director at Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service. We have served the Central Florida community with two generations of family funeral service. With the recent addition of my son, Brandon, we are here to take care of the needs of Central and West Orlando. From simple cremation to a full burial, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service is here to help you. Located at 430 North Kirkman Road at the 408 Expressway, Dobbs Cremation and Funeral Service, 407-578-7720. Dobbs dedicated to serving our families. Hi, I'm Tim Garris. Uh, you may know me as Timmy G. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the argument. And I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth. It's relaxing. It's chill out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight on KHAM Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And I just wanted to mention a couple of things, favorites of mine that are going on tonight. If you're looking for something to do, uh, it's, uh, Lou Gardens, it's uh, the first Friday of the month, and they have their movie again. And tonight they're showing The Lost World Jurassic Park. Yeah, I know you can watch it on TV, but it's nothing like going out there. Um, the movie starts at 8.30, but you can get in as early as 6, and there's nothing like going out there and setting up your tables and chairs, you know, and you, you can bring your own food, you can bring your own drinks and stuff like that and go out there and, and uh, just, you know, maybe take a walk around the gardens, breathe some fresh air before you sit down, you know, take some family and friends, make it a group outing. And, and just, you know, the movie is there, but it's kind of secondary to just enjoying the whole experience. So, you know, that's going on tonight. If you, you know, are willing to travel a couple of hours, um, the Clearwater Smooth Jazz Jam is tonight and tomorrow. I'm I'm always loving Clearwater and, and the jazz that they feature over there. So um, go ahead and, and hang out over there. Uh, they've got this weekend Brian Culbertson, Phony James, Vanessa Williams, David Sanborn, and some others, uh, Mindy Abair. So you know that might be you know it's gonna that's gonna cost you a little bit more than Lou Gardens, but that it'll be worth it too. So just wanted to run that by you. Um, and then Monday, we have Mortgage Monday and, and House and Home. We're going to talk with uh, uh, John Robinson and Jabir Najir. So just make sure you join us on Monday. But in the meantime, we are talking again with Paul Lee Sheldon Jr. of Warwick Shore. And um, so, you know, I gave you a lot of uh, <laughs> a long question before we went to the break. But, I, you know, in short, what needs to happen to make this right by the time this agreement ends in January 2025? Uh, oh, there's a lot that needs to happen. I, I think the first thing has to be a, uh, a meeting of the minds when it comes to understanding the goals and the principles of, 
of this country and why, you know, this country exists and, and do are we still really fulfilling that and are we fulfilling that in the best manner? Um, I, I tell families to develop a family mission statement. And when times get rough and you're going through a recession or going through, you know, job transitions or anything, refer to that mission statement and see if your actions, if your finances or are, are anything in your life has shifted away from that mission statement that you, you established and then refocus yourself on that and then everything else starts to fall back into line. And, and I think that's something that, you know, from a qualitative standpoint, our government needs to do. Focus on just the, the human basis of life um, and what made this country um, what it is today over time. Then um, there's no need to, to remake this a great country. It's always it's been a great country because the the level of diversity that we have in this country. So how do we embrace that? And how do we move forward? And and when when you get to the level of, of getting back to what that mission is and that, that understanding of of what you wanted America to be. Um, then, you know, see how are we fiscally moving towards that or moving away from that? You know, do the programs that we're, we're providing from a fiscal standpoint, do they support um, the growth of the citizens of this country? Are, are they only, you know, take, taken away from certain citizens and, and certain businesses and certain aspects? Um, does our tax structure, does it benefit, you know, everyone or does it, only benefit, you know, certain classes of individuals. Really having that true, uh, that true breakdown and, and understanding that and, and being able to, to actually build a budget that can say this is where we need to go, this is how long it's going to take us to get there, and let's implement it. it it's easy for, you know, presidents and, and Congress to get together and say, oh, we need to increase taxes to bring in more revenue. Yes. That, that that brings in more revenue, and that's that's a way that you combat the national debt. Um, but in addition, you know, to taxes, um, you know, what are some of the programs that we're going to do to to help strengthen and protect the intellectual properties of the businesses within the U.S.? Um, should we charge? Should we increase fees? You know, for um, green cards? Should we increase fees for, for people that are coming here just for educational purposes that are coming to the U.S., um, getting a four-year education at some of our best institutions, and leaving and taking that talent with them and, and starting other companies in other countries, and they are benefiting from it. So how, how do we retain some of that talent, or how do we evenly share or capture some of that, that future growth and, and revenue? Um, to protect us and, and to protect our, our, our national debt. Um, so, you know, it's, that's, that is a very good question. Um, that being done in the next 15 months or next 18 months or so, um, highly unlikely. But um, mm -hmm. there is some framework that needs to be put together to, to, you know, just start with the core of what this country is and how can we protect and serve those citizens you know, uh, of the of that country. And that's something I think that's essential for everyone, every business, you know, especially a nonprofit business. When I talk about the, the credit union, one thing I challenge the credit union with is having a a um, a town hall meeting for the town of Eatonville every year and for the members mm -hmm. of the credit union, but, you know, primarily for the, the town of Eatonville and have the residents come out and say, what it is that they want to have from their financial institution, what it is that they need in the community, and, and how can mm -hmm. um, the credit union be a liaison between the members and what it is that they need um, brought to the community? How can we bring those services and, and focus on growing, you know, the financial institution, growing the credit union in, in response to what the members say they need and what the citizens say they need, you know, as a, as an organization, as a banking center, you know, we want to provide debit cards, credit cards, mortgages, and, and all those things, but that may not necessarily be what the desire is for the community. Mm -hmm. They may not want that. 
And, you know, for us to go out and spend money on that um, would be not acting in a fiduciary manner of what the, the citizens want, and, and that's the same with our government, for them to go out and spend money on things that we may not collectively need or want at, at a particular point in time will put us into, a, you know, a different financial situation. Um, I, I would say that if we were um, – if we got into the situation where we had a balanced budget and we were operating in surplus during a Great Recession, um, those, you know, government checks that went out, those bailout checks, would not have bruised the economy and, and caused the inflation that we see seeing now. And same with the pandemic. If we would have been at another point where, you know, we had an operating budget that was functional and flowing, um, there would not have been any major issue with, with the government being able, at least from a fiscal standpoint, there wouldn't be an issue with the government being able to provide stimulus checks um, to individuals and, and helping out some of the larger um, banking institutions that we have to make sure that our economy, you know, continues to stand on its own two legs. Um, so hopefully we can get can back we, to that situation in the future. Mm-hmm. Can we also ahead, look sorry. at, you know, um, we, I think we got to put some policies in place that uh, get rid of this us versus them mentality in our country. Because I see a lot of that, and I see it growing a lot, um, not with with various factions. You know, and I know you have to have various factions for different purposes because uh, people in certain situations need advocates. But, like, for example, uh, you know, and I know it may not make a big dent, but, for example, you know, the the executive lunches and cocktail hours and breakfasts and all that type of stuff that uh, some people are, are writing off, you know, just because they can and not necessarily because it's, it's necessary you know, I'm just going to go and do this, and then I can go ahead and just write this off. Um, and I'm, I'm more than certain that a lot of that is going on in Washington. Can we, like, maybe eliminate or reduce some of that, you know, taxpayer-covered expense? You know, wouldn't that help a little bit? You know, that may be a small percentage, but then when you add it up, I mean, look how many people are, are, are up there writing off stuff. You know, yeah. can we look at some of that? Uh, just just other things that, you know, and just kind of look at maybe, you know, we, we, we see these people that are doing, and you don't necessarily want to go overboard, but you see people that are, are um, modifying their lifestyle and being a little bit more minimalist, you know. Maybe we need to take a look at that, uh, you know, as a whole, as a country, you know, and, and also go to promoting you know, the the increase of certain uh, industries in our country so that we don't have to rely on other countries and be indebted to other countries for our well-being. Correct. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that's a great thought and great perspective to have, and, and the hope is that we move in that respect. Yeah, we'll see. Paul, how do we get in contact with you? You can reach me on all social media at Warwickshore Advisors, and um, you can reach us at investments, it's investments with an S, at warwickshore.com. Thank you, Paul, for always um, taking the time out, and I uh, look forward to having you back on next month. I know there was other, another topic I wanted to get too, but we will deal with that later because this is really important that we, we kind of look at some of this. Um, by the way, y'all, it's National Donut Day. So if you want a Krispy Kreme or whatever, you know, there are going to be lines. I'm just telling you. Um, and we got an email about free samples at Honey Baked Ham today between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. So just just saying. Just letting you know, just putting it out there. But anyway, y'all have a blessed weekend. Thank you for joining us. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. Be well, be safe, be blessed, enjoy the weekend, and please remember, all real power comes from God. If you're going to the beach, stay away from the sharks. Bye. <laughs>